Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is the chairman and CEO at Concerto Care, Dr. Julian Harris. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Jared. Super excited to have you here and uh, very, uh, very excited. You and I were talking a little bit before. Already love your energy and I'm pumped to dive right in. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I'm a primary care doctor by, by background. I did the med school business school combo and trained in internal medicine and primary care. So had sort of a clinical chapter, spent some time in government at the state and federal level. So led the Medicaid program for the state of Massachusetts and did a lot of work both around value-based care and accountable care models in Medicaid, and also working on the country's first integrated Medicare, Medicaid model of integrating primary care, behavioral health, and long-term services and supports, as well as addressing unmet social needs before all of those things were really a focus for integrated care. It's been a couple of years in DC leading the healthcare team in the Office of Management and Budget in the White House, who oversaw spending and policy and regulation for CMS, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, and some of the smaller healthcare agencies as well. Spent a lot of time with CMS on, on Medicare, Medicaid, the Innovation Center, the exchanges. Had a corporate chapter, so spent four years at Cigna, first leading strategic operations for their U.S. businesses, and then building and running a family of healthcare services businesses for them called Care Allies that included value-based care companies and home-based primary care companies, as well as a Medicare ACO enablement companies. And so really had a chance to sort of think about that, but through the lens of, of operating sort of a, a disruptive company in the context of a, a much larger, larger corporate infrastructure. And then transitioned to the investing side and said, I think I want to run that business. And so now spend my time running Concerto, which we'll talk more about. And still, I'm an operating partner at Deerfield. Why do you think so often, though, it seems like it happens often, at least lately, you have an investor and then through working on a company or investing in the company, they decide to go back to, you know, on a full-time basis, the operator side, is it just because that, that entrepreneurial spirit, just like it, it, it never goes away and you want to dive back in. Like I've been seeing it more and more. And I think it even happens more and more because of these, you know, uh, some companies will partner with like either a venture studio or with a, a venture firm to build out the company. But why, do, why does this keep happening? Um, and not a bad thing, right? But I, I would love your thoughts on it since this kind of happened to you. I think there are different archetypes of investors. So there's some investors who spent their careers in financial services and, you know, really get sort of energy from, um, from that sort of um, foundation. And, and that's where, you know, they, they spend their time and focus. There are other people who come to investing from having operated in either investor-backed companies or in public companies. So people have different, you know, things that give them energy. I think in my case, you know, this was a pretty unique circumstance because the work that we do at Concerto Care, where we leverage technology and data and interdisciplinary teams to care for very complex patients, seniors and adults who have complex health conditions in their homes, really draws on a lot of the sort of different components of my background, whether it's the clinical uh, piece or the time spent sort of thinking about how we optimize care for these populations in government at the state and the federal level, or even my work in other sort of spheres of investing, often, you know, the hardest work is thinking about what you do for the most complex populations, the most costly populations, and those, unfortunately, who suffer many of the ills of our fragmented healthcare system. So for me, it connected a lot of the kind of cross currents from different chapters of my career. And I also have you know, a personal draw to this work. My father and my grandfather were both caregivers for my mother and for my grandmother who had complex health conditions. 
And so I sort of lived firsthand the fragmentation of our healthcare system for patients who really need to have someone or some organization trying to connect the dots across these sort of different domains of their their needs, uh, as we've described. Well said. Um, and, and, and like you said, you're still involved, um, you know, with, with your firm, right, on a, on a part-time basis? That's right. I spend most of my time focused on Concerto, but I still do have an affiliation with Deerfield as well and, and help out on the value-based care and digital health side. Let's dive into Concerto Care some more. Tell us uh, where things are at today uh, versus, uh, you know, when when you took over this this role, um, and, and what excites you most about the business. You know, I think the thing that excites me the most is just being so close to the impact that we have on patients. And you know, when I think about some of the patients I've had a chance to see in person when I've done ride-alongs with our clinical teams who have an enormous amount of complexity across their medical needs, their unmet behavioral health needs in many cases, and then unmet social needs, and seeing the ways that we're able to wrap interdisciplinary teams, we're able to leverage a range of data sources, information that we get from the patients directly, but also from other data sources, and also technology to really deliver a type of integrated care that is not commonly available in most parts of the country. So one of the things that excites me the most is that patient impact but then thinking about how do we scale that impact, and that's one of the things that's been really energizing for me as CEO is to see the extent to which we've been able to expand our market from coast to coast. We're now up and down the West Coast. We have markets on the East Coast and, and are also active in the, in the Midwest as well. And so I think for us, we really feel like we have an opportunity, but also an obligation to Think about the ways that we not only impact the patients we serve, but also to help redefine expectations around what integrated care looks like for patients who have complex health needs. Now, you have uh, three in-home health programs. Can you talk us through uh, what each of those programs uh, offers today? Sure. So we have a model where we partner with Medicare Advantage and Duals plans or with at-risk provider groups, and we wrap around their most complex patients those patients maintain their PCP, but we're bringing interdisciplinary teams to support the work that most practices don't have the staffing or the infrastructure to provide for patients who really need to have an interdisciplinary care team supporting them. And so that's one line of business. We also have a model where in certain geographies, we are the PCP of record. We still deploy interdisciplinary teams to support those patients, but we are the PCP. And then we also have a a small put footprint in the PACE program or the program for all-inclusive care of the elderly in, in Southern California. And what was what was the core driver in having these three uh, these, uh, three separate programs? All three programs, including PACE, but all of the programs really are focused on caring for very complex patients. And all of the programs actually rely on being able to deploy interdisciplinary teams, at least in part, in the home and to support those teams with data and with technology so that they can optimize the care of very complex patients across a range of domains, both the opportunities to better manage total cost of care for the patients, to improve quality, but to recognize that many of the barriers that patients face in navigating our healthcare system are outside of the traditional set of services or areas of focus of the medical system. And so thinking about those patients' unmet social needs, thinking about how we build tighter linkages between what happens for patients on the medical side and their behavioral health needs. So that's really kind of the, the North Star for the business across managing these most complex patients, delivering services in the home, and thinking about how we can support patients who really have 
needs that really benefit from an integrated model. I'd love to move the conversations towards you know, something that we seem to talk a lot about in the healthcare space today, right? The shift towards value-based care. And with it, it has its challenges, right? It's not, it's not the, the smoothest thing. And there's different parts. I've heard, you know, we need to train our, our physicians differently in, in medical school. Like, so, so talk us through the shift, what challenges still exist through your lens. Um, and, you know, at, at Concerto Care, you know, how are you addressing the shift? Sure. So, Fundamentally, I look at this in part through the lens of the purchasers of healthcare, and those include programs like Medicare and Medicaid, where there are taxpayer dollars in Medicare, both taxpayer dollars and, and individual beneficiaries contributing to that program in the Medicaid context, both federal and state dollars contributing to the program. And then certainly there are in other segments, whether that's the exchange population or the commercial population. Across the board, we have affordability challenges in healthcare in this country. And as we think about what it means to have a sustainable healthcare system, we have to identify sort of what are the levers we can pull to try and control the trajectory of healthcare cost growth. And one of the reasons why there's been broad bipartisan support for value-based care is that among the levers that one can activate to try and control healthcare costs while also seeking to optimize the quality of care, value-based care is the one that I think has the broadest support. And that's in part because you're asking the provider to actually step in and take accountability for a population of patients and to manage that population in accordance with evidence-based medicine, but in a way that is going to achieve the kinds of outcomes that we want and that we seek to achieve for our patients, but also for the system as a whole. I think that you know one of the things that energizes me about the work that we do at Concerto Care is that we're signing up to do the hardest things. We're working with patients who have an extraordinary amount of medical complexity, but also have needs in other domains such as behavioral health or unmet social needs. We're leveraging data, both data that we get from individual patients, but also other data sources that we access or proprietary data that we generate to manage those populations to understand which patients are at the greatest risk and to think about them comprehensively. So patients in our population tend to have multiple chronic conditions. We have patients who have diabetes and CHF and COPD and bipolar disorder in addition to having unmet social needs is just an example but not an uncommon one and so as we think about what those patients need and the kinds of ways that our delivery system really struggles to manage them without having an organization like concerto to think about how you bring additional experts additional technology and data to bear that really is i think that the goal of the healthcare system is to think about how we do our best for the patients who need it the most but we have not had a financing mechanism to support the kinds of investments that are required to deliver that kind of comprehensive care. And so that's one of the things that excites me so much about value-based care is that it really provides a vehicle for ensuring that the providers who are really helping to either quarterback the care or co-pilot that care in the case of our wraparound model and building that infrastructure have the, the resources that are needed and the incentives that are needed to support really delivering an integrated model of care for the most complex populations. I'd love to, to be able to now shift our, our focus onto another big topic within the healthcare community, right? Remote patient monitoring. Something I always ask every guest that comes on the podcast is to kind of paint a picture of what the future of a particular space looks like. So let's talk about, again, through your lens, where do you see the, the future of remote patient monitoring heading? Sure. So 
I think what excites me about remote patient monitoring is that it gives us the opportunity to have, you know, what we might call virtual eyes and ears or data on what's happening with the patients when they're outside of the four walls of a clinic, or in our case, when we're not in the home physically with the patient, to be able to understand how their blood sugars are tracking for a patient who has diabetes, having context on how the patient's blood pressure is, is tracking for patients with hypertension, understanding uh, how patients who are uh, facing difficulties either maintaining their weight or, or patients who have difficulties losing weight or patients who may have challenges because of congestive heart failure. In all three of those cases, having access to a digital scale and giving the clinical team visibility into what's happening with that patient's uh, weight trajectory can help us um, sort of track the opportunities to improve care for patients across those sort of three uh, clinical domains. And so, you know, it's exciting. I think what's really energizing right now is that there are some people who are saying, how do we think about the next generation of remote patient monitoring tools and move beyond the sort of, uh, I call sort of bread and butter uh, devices and tools, which to date, I think really are sort of standard uh, standard of care in terms of the technology where there's a great deal of evidence for impact. But you do see companies thinking about how do you combine devices that can gather data from patients across a range of domains. I think it's also going to be interesting over time to watch how people leverage uh, advanced analytics or even artificial intelligence to think about how we leverage those data and how we sort of better uh, stratify patients who might benefit from an intervention. It's a really exciting time, but it's also a time where we have to sort of balance the, the innovations with also ensuring that, particularly in the context of value-based care, that we're also seeing a return on investment for the technologies. And so there'll be some things where it's pretty clear, you know, we know we're going to have an ROI for a glucometer, for, you know, a blood pressure, a digital blood pressure cuff, a scale, et cetera. But for some of the newer technologies, I think we'll have to uh, sort of wait and see and collect data and really understand where we're seeing the value um, because some of those tools can be quite expensive. Um, but it's still great to sort of see companies focused on the innovation and, and hopefully over time, we'll sort of see that return on investment align with where those products are priced. Taking it back to Concerto Care, what's next? What's next that you can tell us? I know there's usually two stories, right? There's things that you want to be able to tell us and you can't. But what can you tell us uh, today in terms of what's next? What I can tell you is that we're continuing to grow. So we have, you know, a set of partnerships that are public and others that will be announced in the months ahead. We have both current partners who are seeking to bring us to new states and we have new partners who are looking to, to double down and, and expand with us. And so that's always exciting because at the end of the day, when you know what's possible for patients who have really complex needs and you see the delta between the patients we serve today and the unmet need, it really makes us energized about not only the opportunity to have an impact for our current population, but to think about how we grow. So I think that's going to be a continued area of focus for us. We also are, are very focused on continuing to think about ways that we can leverage uh, data and leverage technology in advanced ways. And so you're going to continue to hear um, more about that over time. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we are a tech-enabled services business. The technology is important, but we're also a human business and we need to have extraordinary people who are signing up to to do really hard work to go into the homes of pa patients who have an enormous amount of complexity and to help address those patients needs and so we also need to always be very focused on talent and that's something that we're also continuing to invest in and think about what's the the next set of things we can do to be 
a employer of choice and a place that people really can seek to build their careers and thrive. My last question for you. It's a goofy one. Okay. Go for it. Growing up or even recently, what is a favorite TV show or movie oh, that wow. you really liked? <laughs> uh, it's funny. Uh, well, I have a, I have a, a 13 year old as of yesterday and a almost two year old. So still in the cartoon zone. So I was a big DuckTales fan and, uh, it's not, not still on, but you can find it on, on Netflix and some other places. So DuckTales gets my vote. Okay. All right. See, I always ask that last and no one ever expects that to be the last question. <laughs> you got uh, me. <laughs> uh, really appreciate you coming on the show here today. Hopefully we can have you come back on in the future and we can dive more into uh, what you're doing at Concerto Care and then maybe get you on a panel as well. That sounds great, Jared. Thank you. Thank you.